Hello and welcome back aboard the good ship, the spaceship ship. Uh, the space show show. It's or the space, show. The you spaceship ship. <laughs> space show show. I was looking at the word ship and so I just uh, said ship. Well, this is embarrassing because uh, I'm here with Admiral Carrie Jackson, but I felt confident enough to promote myself from ensign to lieutenant I as we so. enter season two. Absolutely, you should. Uh, well, I am your host, Lieutenant Rebecca Frost, and we're talking about season two of the original series of Star Trek. Uh, the episodes <laughs> we're going to talk about today are A Muck Time, Who Mourns for Adonis, Adonis? And I'm, Adonis. I'm not, not going to say that right at all. Yeah. Uh, the Changeling, Mirror Mirror, and The Apple. Um, this is a very exciting episode. Uh, that we are going to be embarking on because I want to talk a little bit about some of the season two upgrades that have come. Um, we see some upgrades to the bridge equipment. Um, and I know I said last episode, I could tell that there was a bit of a bump up in budget. And I was incorrect. The oh, second really? season, production budget per episode was around 185000 which is less than what the, it was per episode in season one, which was 190000 per episode. And this is nineteen late 1960s dollars. So that's a lot of money. That's quite a bit of money. <laughs> um, Nimoy might have been recast if negotiations for his contract fell through. Nimoy's agent had asked for Nimoy's salary to be increased from $1,250 per episode to $9,000 per episode. Oh, and that's a jump. <laughs> eventually, they reached a compromise of... $2,500 per episode, and he signed on for the second season. I thought that piece of information was very topical for today, as, yes. <laughs> as uh, we're struggling to pay actors, apparently. And um, oh, there, there, There's no struggle to pay it. You make it sound like, oh, there's no money. There's, oh, there's no money. Of money. Mr. Zaslav, Mr. Mr. Yeah. Iger, where's all the money going? Yeah, sell, <laughs> sell, sell one of your yachts, fellas. Jeepers Creepers, maybe you don't have to make a billion dollars a year. I get by just fine without a billion dollars <laughs> a year. Um, and one other change that was made, the theme music for the series was slightly rearranged, and uh, a woman, Luli Jean Norman, supplied vocal accompaniment. And I quite like the new theme. I think it sounds... Because the thing I love the most about the theme, especially in the opening and the closing, the bongos, I absolutely love... Very, the very bongos. Late 60s. Very <laughs> yes. late sixties. Very laughing. <laughs> it's a vibe that I absolutely love. But let's jump right on in and talk about season two, episode one, Amok Time. In the throes of his pond farm mating period, Spock must return to Vulcan to meet his intended future wife, betrothed from childhood. Listen, I hated this episode. <laughs> oh, now come on. <laughs> This is one of the best episodes. Here you go. See see the Spock action figure that, where he's got the he's got the, the He's got the, his sash. His decorative sash. I couldn't find the Kirkwood. I wanted you to see the Kirkwood with the slit chest open. Oh dang. shirt, but I couldn't find it. It's under I'm going through my toys and selling a lot of them, so I I'm able to find it. I'm sorry, but uh, That's anyway. okay. That's okay. Next time. Um yeah, I just uh, I okay. Why what did I you liked hate this one? I what think. I liked okay. about this episode, Let's... I liked that new new. I liked that new music. I liked this new vibe. I liked this new semi new set. Mm -hmm. 
it it's giving very heavy season two we're back baby vibes and i really like that Mm -hmm. i do not like that it seemed that the studio was like can you make spock hornier because uh (laughs) i i understand i understand i get it um it just felt like they're shoving an agenda in my face of this show needs more sex. Can you figure that out? Oh, come on. Season one was full of sex. It was all Kirk sex. But, it you know. was all Kirk. But I feel like they were like, we need Spock to be just like a tad bit more relatable. Can you put him in heat and figure that out? Um, well, and, see, uh, why, and it's just. It, that, mm. See, that's why I like J.J. Abrams Spock. Okay. Heresy, I know. I like J.J. Abrams <laughs> Spock because he's more relatable. He's 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 come to peace. Yeah. He's come to peace with his human half, and he's mm-hmm. okay with it. He struggles with it, but he's okay with it. You know, where this guy fights it, fights it, fights it. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe it's because you know I've just spent the last what is twenty eight, twenty nine episodes really liking the spock that we have and now suddenly he's mean why is he being mean to our friends it is the pond far he's horny he's mean because he's horny and in heat and i don't like it one of my notes (laughs) is literally damn dude settle down and uh my one of my other notes is wow this is an insane premiere episode um and I know you had mentioned it last week, how this is, you consider this episode to be a good one to introduce people to Star Trek. You know, I got thinking about what you said, and I think you're right. This is not a good episode to introduce them. No, because it's not Spock. It's not Spock as we know him. He's so out of character. And I understand. I understand. I don't like it, though. Um, (laughs) It does give us a little taste of Nurse Chapel and Spock and... uh, are, oh, are they? Or what are they? Are they into each other? Well, she's certainly into him, that's for sure. And so after a couple back and forths, which I also found extremely irritating, they decide to just go to Vulcan and let him get his jimmies out, right? Mm-hmm. Let him just get he's his got, jollies out. He's got zoomies. He's got zoomies. <laughs> Let's take him out back to Vulcan so he can get it out. Well, the idea was is that he would probably die unless we returned him to Vulcan and let him go through the ritual. I know I have been horny enough where I thought I was going to die. So, <laughs> uh, same, I guess. Um, but this episode, is this is a lot of first appearances for stuff. This is the first appearance of the Vulcan hand salute. Uh, mm-hmm. Nimoy improvised this symbol during production and modified. it was modified from a traditional Jewish religious hand gesture. Mm-hmm. This is also the first appearance of the Vulcan phrases, peace and long life and live long and prosper. And it is also the first ever Star Trek episode to feature any Vulcan characters other than Spock. And we get oh, a lot of them. We do. We get a whole parade. Um, something I have noticed about season two so far, uh, they're giving women a lot more to do. And I really <laughs> appreciate that. Um, we've got, oh, what was her name? The the only Vulcan woman, the only Vulcan who was denied a role in the Federation or something. She turned it, uh, yeah, to power. Yeah, she turned it down. Um, and listen, I don't um, exactly remember why our boys have to fight 
because the the betrothed woman mm-hmm. picks someone to fight on her behalf. Well, it, the whole process is that you know they've been chosen by their parents that you know this is an arranged marriage, and at the at the ceremony, it's what it is is she's supposed to they're do, supposed to do the ceremony and get married, but she also has the challenge option, califi. Uh, and the challenge option means that she can pick anybody, and it's it's usually thought to be the one that she really wants to marry, mm. and and that person would fight for her and get her. But it is to the death, is the Vulcan tradition. So that that's why they were fighting. It was it was her. She was being sneaky because she so, she, she had a thing with Stan. See, so she picks Kirk to be mm-hmm. the challenger, and we have brother fighting brother. And we think Spock is going to kill his friend Kirk. Well, this contest is to the death. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, and, and also the introduction, this is the music. This the fight is the, music. The fight music that we all know and love. Which they yeah. use beautifully in The Cable Guy. Uh, if you saw the movie, <laughs> yeah. Jim Carrey, The Cable Guy, there's a great scene. And you know Ben Stiller had something to do with it because he directed it. it be, yeah. Uh, the, the, the Star Trek fight music. And, and Jim Carrey is singing along with it as they're fighting. Yeah. Oh, man. I didn't even think about that. Brilliant. That's hilarious. Um, yeah. Uh, I wish this episode had a lot more side eye as well because we see a lot of like Kirk and McCoy being like, what is happening on this planet? <laughs> I love the, the Kirk and McCoy back and forth during this because it's just like, wow. Yes. <laughs> oh, Dios mio. And also uh, the Vulcans, extremely petty people. They, uh, I wish I could remember specifically when I took this note, but uh, I just have a note saying, wow, the Vulcans are super petty people. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for a first episode of season two, uh, I, I get it for normies if this is your first episode of like this new season that you have heard all about and you're like well i guess i better tune in uh, i guess it's gonna hook some people because you got horniness you got violence um mm-hmm. you have shatner uh slit shirt. <laughs> with his slit shirt also i love absolutely no blood there's another episode coming up later where kirk gets like punched in the face and he has just like a little dribble of blood down his mouth <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, go. I understand it's the '60s, but go harder on your violence and your bloodshed. <laughs> no, this uh, this episode was uh, was really important as far as like you know laying down the Vulcan lore, uh, mm-hmm. getting you know we learned more about their whole traditions and all of that. Um, hot as Vulcan is the saying. I love that that bit. Hot as Vulcan. I know what they mean now. Uh, <laughs> that was uh, that was cool. Thinner. Yeah, oh my gosh, the, the humans, they don't have the double eyelids. Are they okay? Are they blind? <laughs> the thin air, that played into it, you know, mm. the heat and the thin air. And, uh, and, and, and T'Pring's plan was actually pretty good because yeah. she wanted to be with Stan because, you know, Spock's off doing his starship thing. Mm-hmm. Stan's there for her. Everything's cool. She wants to be with Stan, but if she picks Stan for the Califi, the chances are he might get killed. And yeah, she wouldn't have that. him. Mm-hmm. And that's why at the end, Spock says to her, your plan was flawlessly logical. Absolutely flawlessly. I got to admire it. Good on you. <laughs> well, and she explains it extremely well, too. And mm-hmm. I respect yeah. that. 
And so that was just, that was such a great part. And then at the end, when, when uh, Tapao says, uh, live long and prosper, Spock, and he, he says, I will do neither. Uh, Seriously, what yeah, a line. <laughs> I, I'll do neither because I, you know, I killed my captain and my best friend. Oh my gosh, I've definitely, I, okay, I definitely forgot about this moment where he does think he's absolutely killed Kirk, right? Absolutely. And he's like, wow, okay, F me, I guess. And then he gets back on the ship and McCoy is like, well, Spock, uh, what do you, what do you think? And, and he Kirk says, well, and Spock says, I, I, I have, you know, you have to arrest me because, you know, you're ranking officer, you have to arrest me and contact Starfleet, let them know it's, it's all over. And then. Kirk just kind of Kirk saunters, saunters up. up the way he does. Don't you think you ought to ask me about that? <laughs> God, I listen. I, I under. I I know that Shatner gets a lot of flack for the way he speaks and presents, and um, I love every second of it. When he tones it down, he's good. All right, I'll say that. <laughs> but if you let him go without direction, then there's a problem. I don't but, know. I'm over the top, Kirk. I love him. <laughs> But that's such a great moment when he says, don't you think you should ask me about that first? Spock. Captain. Jim. And smiles. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, oh. <clears throat> <clears throat> well, I'm quite pleased, uh, Captain, to see that you're fine. Uh, <laughs> and McCoy starts immediately ribbing him. You were about to give us a performance that would bring the house down, Spock. It was going to be <laughs> just going to be amazing. You Oh no, I was relieved because, uh, you know, a valuable captain in Starfleet, uh, you know. <laughs> they they have started adding something to these episodes, which they kind of had in season one, which I call the roadside beer in Supernatural, but it's the wrap up chat at the end of every episode where it's these three guys just razzing on each other. Mm -hmm. I, I adore that so, so much. And yeah, I definitely forgot about that it's been a minute since I've watched this episode, so I didn't exactly remember how it ended, but mm -hmm. <laughs> fantastic. Oh, it, it, I, I just think it's one of those great episodes. I'm, I'm, I'm sad you didn't like it, but hey, you know. It's, yeah, I don't, I just, when Spock is normal Spock, fantastic, love it. Um, When Spock is anything but himself, I think it's so weird and I just don't <laughs> like <right>. it. <laughs> well... Let, should we move on to the next yeah, one? Yeah, who mourns for Adonis uh, in the... Uh, no, that's the wrong one. A powerful being claiming to be the Greek god Apollo appears and demands that the crew of the Enterprise disembark onto his planet to worship him. Uh, I actually okay. really liked the concept of this episode. Now, for the folks watching on YouTube, this is my impression of the episode. Are you oh. ready? Here we go. That's his, it. His ship that's is the, just... That's the impression of the episode. The giant hand... Holding on oh, to the Enterprise. Oh, yeah. Another energy, just an energy hand yep. gripping a ship. Yep, like you do. <laughs> but I liked the concept of this episode as maybe the Greek gods were visitors from another plane planet mm -hmm. who did come to Earth and kind of control the way things were. Um, I thought it, it was kind of annoying. Because um, he, and again, another man who thinks he's a god, right? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> it's the 60s. Um, this episode also, not very um, forward thinking as far as women no. in the workplace, because no. they talk about, um, what's her name? Oh, my God. 
I'm struggling this episode. <laughs> Leslie Parrish, I don't remember yeah. her character name, um, but she they were talking about how, oh, what a lovely woman. It'll be a shame when she gets married and has to leave work because God <laughs> forbid she marries and also works. Yeah. And, uh, but and, and of course, uh, the Greek God himself had these ideas about women as well, which were very well, mm -hmm. you know, ancient. Uh, but uh, you got to give it up to the guy who plays, a, you know, uh, Apollo. Uh, because, uh, you know, I mean, uh, first of all, fit. Uh, Ooh, super fit. Yeah. Second of all, wearing that outfit and trying to be taken seriously. That's an acting <laughs> job. That's... Well, William Shatner was so concerned with the height disparity that disallow that he disallowed any shots which would show him and the much taller Michael Forrest, the man who plays Apollo, um, wouldn't allow any shots that showed them side by side in the same frame. Uh, so according to Forrest, whenever Shatner would speak to him, Forrest would notice Shatner inadvertently standing on his tiptoes. <laughs> Can we get Mr. Shatner a box, please? <laughs> Which is so funny because uh, in a later episode, The Apple, the, uh, um, the people that he's talking to there as well, kind of the same deal, tall, tan, abs, toga, much taller than Shatner, but they're allowed to be in the same shot. And I wonder if it's because they're comically tan, but we'll talk about oh, that later. Could be. Yeah. Uh, Chekhov, Chekhov really showing his comedy chops in this episode because the hand grabs the ship and he goes, Captain, it's a hand. That thing's a giant <laughs> hand. Um, like, wow, good, good, great, good eyes. <laughs> And and both he and Scotty were hitting on this woman that they went down with, hitting right? on this woman, yeah, and really Scotty, doing any. Scotty, they led us to believe that Scotty had a thing with her, kinda. Yes, well, there's a moment where Apollo is like, "Hey, lady, I've got an outfit for you." Changes her into this Greek goddess outfit, and she, he's like, "Let's go off into the woods and have a discussion." And Scotty runs and is like, "No, absolutely not!" And she's like, "Scotty." I'm a fully formed woman with a job. I can handle this. <laughs> that um, that gown that she wore was glued to her skin. I don't know if you noticed, but it was just yeah. like. I, there, that was the only way that it could have stayed up the way it was designed. Yeah. And it was glued, which was painful for her be, uh, because it tore her skin when it was removed. I'm guessing they didn't have double-sided sticky tape back then. I want to say they did. Hmm. But, but they, were they, just, they were just assholes. Okay. They, yeah, they were just assholes. Um, but yeah, like I said, I really like the concept of like maybe the Greek gods were actually interplanetary beings who mm -hmm. were on Earth for a spell and really shaped history that way. There's there's a lot of uh, books written about that sort of thing. You know how you know, maybe that's why you know religion is what it is is because mm -hmm. of space aliens and they saw what appeared to be magic and they you know made it into a deity instead uh, it's it's it is a fascinating topic don't know if i believe it myself but <laughs> uh, okay okay um no, that's just apollo, <laughs> apollo also at one point says i've known loads of women and then proceeds to name two women <laughs> 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 such a nerdy thing i've been with women. i know women i know this one this one and not only that he really reminded me of myself in the fifth grade because you had your horse girls you had your egyptian people your egyptian girls i was a greek goddess i was like a greek god's girl i bounced back and forth between egypt and greece yeah mm -hmm. 
And then there was a Titanic phase, of course. There's, these are all the phases you go through as a youth, right? But Greek yeah. Greek gods um, definitely spoke to me. And so he just kept listing names of gods. And I was like, I could do this too. Name check, uh, name check. <laughs> yeah, like, are you, uh, you don't have to try to prove anything, man. We can just believe you. <laughs> I remember when I went through my Greek and Egyptian god phase, I remember asking my, my dad one time, I says, how come these guys have so many gods and we only have one? Oh, he didn't want to have that discussion. <laughs> oh, no. I remember there was once upon a time I asked my mom, um, because I my extended family is Mormon, and so I was like, okay, well, um, what about aliens if man if we're made in god's image what about aliens and my mom was like well when i was younger the bishop told me that they all have their own gods <laughs> but there's only and never see this is why dad didn't want to have the discussion yep if we right. get thinking too much anyway. about it uh uh, what was uh, there, what's interesting about this episode? And this is a little off note. This is for the, mm -hmm. the diehards now. Is that the theory is is that Apollo and uh, what's her name? Um, uh, Leslie. <laughs> Leslie, sure. Yeah. That Apollo and Leslie had sex. She got pregnant. The kid is in a series of books written by uh, oh uh, Peter David. Uh, these are the Captain Calhoun Excalibur books, and he is—he's—he is the navigator on the bridge. And for some reason, he is the greatest navigator in in all of Federation history. Uh, it's it, and it's because he's—he uses his god mind side to map the stars in his head. Uh, huh. It's it's a fascinating little uh, offshoot. It, it's a great series of books. If you're a diehard Trekkie, I really recommend them. Uh, the Captain Calhoun series from uh, Peter David. Really good stuff. I've just looked it up on um, Memory Beta. What is the non-canon Star Trek wiki? Oh. Yeah, because it's books. I, Calhoun. I, yeah, because it's books, it's not considered canon, you know, these oh. series of books, which is Goodness unfortunate. Because it's, it's got so many interesting characters in it and a great ship, and the, the, Mackenzie Calhoun is an alien, and, you know, it's just... A really cool series of books if you're into it anyway interesting okay putting a pin in that i will come back Sorry. to that later because that seems interesting uh but let's talk about the next episode called the changeling a powerful artificially intelligent earth probe with a murderously twisted imperative comes aboard the enterprise and mistakes captain kirk for its creator mm -hmm. um the dangers of ai am i right you could go there you certainly <laughs> could uh, I love this episode is really um, just a floating robot that seems to get by anybody unnoticed because it opens it opens doors. Carrie, those doors are not quiet, and these and the engineers especially are like, mm -hmm, well, must be just engine room noises. <laughs> it sounds like the rest of the ship, and it looks yeah. like it's made out of kitchen utensils. Anyway. Uh, it does. It gave me big Dalek vibes because it had a whole a whole mission. Mm -hmm. um, at first, I was extremely bored by this episode because they were taking forever to get to the point. Um, mm -hmm. But then eventually they get to the point where they say or the the robot explains itself and it's like, oh, uh, oh, it's not because the robot explains itself. It's because Spock minds melds with the machine and it's whole <laughs> purpose is to sterilize 
uh, you know, the Star Trek version of exterminate. Yeah, sterilize that, which is imperfect. Which, by the way, not a big fan of how it describes the female brain when it scans Uhura. Uh, because it says, boy, it was chaotic in there and I did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, and, and again, you know, I love this show, but I, so Nomad allegedly release, re, erases Uhura's brain. To sterilize it because he didn't like how it was crazy in there. <laughs> but the next thing you know, she's, you know, I think next episode she'll be back and you know running communications and doing her well, job they, just fine they even drop a line about they drop a couple lines about that in the episode because her mind gets wiped and first of all she reverts back to swahili i'll talk about that in a second mm -hmm. um but her mind is wiped and so they're kind of teaching her to read again and she's picking it up super fast so mm -hmm. it's there it's not like it left okay um, i like that explanation but okay. then but then at the end of the episode i think kirk asks asks for an update on her and they say um she's at college level now she'll be back to regular in just like a couple of hours or something like that <laughs> wow <laughs> so they their their reverse brainwashing works magic um I, okay i'll buy it sure the the robot kills scotty and i had a sincere moment of oh my god did they for real just like kill scotty <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then but then the robot has necromancy powers and is able to bring scotty back to life mm -hmm. he's able to it just like you know looking at looking at the instructions of something going oh okay i can fix that yeah you know yeah, they upload all of like all of these biology and um, neurology and all of these other doctor medicine -y books into it. And it's like, oh, yeah, I can fix that. Mm -hmm. And then just gives Scotty a once over and then Scotty is suddenly OK, like nothing ever happened. Why not do that on Uhura? Hey, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, mm -hmm. OK. I mean, this mm -hmm. is not a great episode. It's it's an okay. Yeah, one. it's an okay one. Uh, it's a know it's a know it all robot. And mm -hmm. I think at one point Kirk is like, oh, "It's a know it all, fix it all robot. Why don't we just keep it?" Uh, and then I realize it's kind of racist, and uh, just wants to go around sterilizing uh, everything. Yeah. It's because uh, you know these these carbon based units have infected the Enterprise, and they are imperfect. Uh, the only thing that pauses Nomad from destroying you know, the ship and the people inside of it is because Kirk shares the same name as the creator of the, of the, of the probe. And that's how they get the probe to ultimately kind of destroy itself by show, mm -hmm. by showing its hand and saying, Hey, here's the illogical things in your thing. Cause mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not your creator and you have not figured that out yet. So you have failed. Yep. You're imperfect. You must destroy yourself. Yeah. Follow your, follow your orders and, you know, sterilize. It's so yeah. beam it out into space and it blows up. It made me think a lot about that Mars Rover and its last words. Uh, when it said something like, um, my battery, are, my battery is low and it's getting dark. Oh, <laughs> I know it's a robot on Mars, but holy it's Wally. Toledo. It's Wally. <laughs> um, now what about Swahili? You were going to talk about So that? 
Nichelle Nichols has frequently told a story about getting into a dispute with director Mark Daniels over the filming of this episode. It had already been established that Uhura's first language was Swahili, and Nichols... Mm -hmm. Nichols believed that after her mind was erased, Uhura would revert to her first language. However, Nichols herself did not speak Swahili, and Daniels wanted Uhura to speak English. Nichols ref- refused to, telling Daniels, um, Nichelle Nichols doesn't speak Swahili, but Uhura does. Gene Roddenberry was eventually brought in to settle the dispute, and he sided with Nichols. A linguist specializing in Swahili was then brought in to write a few lines of Swahili that are spoken in the episode. Because mm-hmm. Uhura's name mean, allegedly means freedom in Swahili. Oh, I love that. Yeah. But yeah, uh, overall kind of a dud of an episode. But the uh, uh, put, put a pin in this because your Star Trek journey continues. The human oh, adventure no. is just beginning. Oh, no. The, pl- the plot of this episode is essentially the plot of Star Trek the motion picture. Oh. Yeah. Does Nomad come back? Well, no, it's not he's Nomad. Dead. No, okay. Nomad is dead. It's a different probe. Oh. And I'm, and I'm not going to ruin it for you because you oh. haven't seen it. Oh. Oh. But, uh, but it's essentially this episode, but on a grander, less killy, well, killy, but, you know, the probe's, <laughs> the probe's purpose in the movie isn't to kill. I'll just say that. Where this one is, his purpose is to sterilize that which is imperfect. Uh-huh. Uh, in the movie, it's different, different motivation. Interesting. I don't like it when robots have motivations. <laughs> um, but moving on to the next episode, Mirror Mirror. This episode oh. sets the sets the scene for so much stuff in the future. A transporter accident places Captain Kirk's landing party in an alternate universe where the Enterprise is in the service of a barbarically brutal empire. Okay, I'm going to get over my multiverse fatigue (laughs) because I can see there's going to be a lot of it. (laughs) Well, and they do mirror, mirror episode, mirror universe episodes in Trek. I think they do at least one for every Trek series I've seen. Uh, Deep Space Nine did two. Yeah. Two or three, maybe. And Um, it's okay. I'm going to just release my fatigue into the universe and just accept (laughs) it as what it is. Because this episode was kind of, to me, like watching a comic book. Uh, I thought it was super fascinating. I also watched this episode with my husband, and that was a riot. Um, Because... First of all, this episode starts with like a mise-en-scene. It starts in the middle of a scene that's like already taking place. I had to pause the show to be like, did I miss something? And they are negotiating with this planet to try to mine dilithium crystals. And the planet Mm -hmm. is like, hey, no, thank you, please. Um, (laughs) So as they are beaming back up to the ship, wires get crossed. Um, Kirk, Scotty, McCoy, and Uhura get beamed onto this other ISS Enterprise, not the USS Enterprise. (laughs) Um, And they all get... Sick outfits, baby. Uh, Kirk gets a fun new sparkle vest. You heard his midsection is totally removed. And McCoy and Scotty just get gold sparkly sashes. But hot new outfits. And they greet each other with little Nazi salutes. Big yikes. Like that, yeah. Yeah, well, and so, like, it was very funny at first because they kept their hands kind of low and their palms, like, kind of... flat out so it's not a direct oh, I don't even want to do it not even just like a direct Nazi salute but as the episode gets further along not everybody's on the same page so people just start doing straight up Nazi salutes mm-hmm. um, and 
everyone is uh, evil, and you know how you know how Spock's evil. He's got a goatee. That's how you tell. That's how you tell. <laughs> and it was fun to watch this with my husband because um, he was like, "Oh shit, that's what Community is definitely referencing when they're talking about the evil timeline." Exactly. You all have goatees <laughs> in your evil timeline. And uh, Sulu is evil because he has a scar. Uh, <laughs> oh, and and he's and he's here's here's the telling thing. Uh, I believe he's straight in this universe. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> that is true because he does go up and like try to hit on you, her, and her is like, um, I could change your mind. <laughs> ew, ew. They make references to a Gestapo. Um, and they all salute each other. My husband walks into the room from grabbing a snack or something, and they're all doing the salute. And he's like, oh, shit, are they actually Nazis in this universe? And I'm like, Pretty much. timeless tale, honestly. Pretty much are. Uh, now, I, I have uh, a couple of action figures of, of evil Kirk and evil Spock uh, that I was going to show you. But I thought I'd show you the most important one, because I know you want to talk about her. Oh. You do not have, is that a full Barbie? That is a nine inch, uh, like full Barbie style. Uh, Dr. Marlena Le Moreau, Marlena. as you can see, autographed Lieutenant, to she's me. a lieutenant, by the way. Yeah. Autographed <laughs> to me, it says, to Carrie, peace and love, Marlena Moreau, and Barbara Luna, who is the actress's name, Barbara Luna. Wow. And she autographed that for me in 07. She is, she was, she was one of those very important women to young Carrie uh, growing up. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Apparently she was a very important woman to a lot of kids. And I'll tell you yes. why in just a second. But um, you can definitely tell they're in a parallel universe because uh, she's in Kirk's room and she's not blonde. <laughs> He's got one type, and she ain't it. <laughs> you're the captain's woman until he says you're not. I love that line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so in the wake of this episode, a group of child fans started a neighborhood-wide letter campaign suggesting that the concept of a captain's woman, air quotes, be carried over into the series as a whole and requesting that Stephanie Powers be cast in that role. Ooh. Uh, I don't know who that is. Who's Stephanie Powers? Uh, heart to Heart. Uh, did you ever see? No, it's an no old I'm you, you don't 34, who, Carrie. You don't, know, <laughs> you don't know who Stephanie Powers is. A good choice, though. I'll Google it. Eventually, Gene Roddenberry's assistant had to write to the group's two ringleaders to telling them to ask their parents exactly what a captain's woman was. Oh, <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> Big, yeah. But apparently the idea of having just um, a bang made on your ship... Uh, well, in the evil universe, sure. Makes sense. I do like the way um, they have a very Klingon approach to uh, promotions and stuff. Is Everybody has their own private little henchmen, and you can be assassinated at any time, and people and can just promote themselves. Move up in the ranks by assassination. And, that, and that's how Evil Kirk got his position, by assassinating Captain Pike. And my note is, you killed Captain Pike, I'll kill you, you mother effer. You don't just <laughs> kill Captain Pike. Whatever, it's fine. Um, oh, see, this this mirror episode, uh, it, it's, it's just, like I said, you're going to encounter a lot of great mirror universe episodes coming up in Star Trek. And, and Star Trek Discovery, the first couple of seasons, one of the main characters is a mirror universe character that got pulled into our 
universe. And that's Michelle Yeoh. That's uh, Philippa Giorgio is her name. And uh, she is ruthless. And uh, just uh, and is a major character in like the first two seasons of uh, Discovery. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. You'll see. You'll the, get there. The other universes scare me because um, the one that we're in, Starfleet is just so nice. Starfleet is so good, and everything mm -hmm. is good. And I know we had to go through terrible things like World War II and the eugenics war to get here, but like. It's so nice here, and then we go to these other universes and see how bad it could be. Do not. Mm -hmm. mm, it makes me sad. <laughs> uh, there's there's a few things in the uh, uh, mirror universe. Uh, one that one that comes to mind is uh, the agonizers. I love the, the concept. <laughs> yeah. I love the concept where it's like everybody has their own individual agonizer on their belt. And it's, uh, you know, if you're to be punished, your agonizer, Mr. Chekhov, you know. And then he puts mm -hmm. it on his chest and it causes great pain, which gives birth to, I don't know if you've noticed with the Chekhov uh, character, he has a particular scream. And oh. it's it's really prominent in this. This, ah! Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's the typical <laughs> Chekhov scream. Which the leads Chekhov me to, scream. The Chekhov scream, which leads me to a lyric from one of my favorite, well, my favorite Star Trek punk rock bands. Uh, a band called Warp Eleven, and the 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 lyrics to the song "She Make It So." She got a red shirt on, and I'm gonna take it off. She'll feel the wrath of my con, and she'll be screaming like Chekhov. Ah, so there we go. There we go. What, what a lyric! <laughs> uh, this episode also inspired the name of another band, uh, Spock's Beard. Yes, which I guess is a band. It is a band, yes. Very good. Um, something else I noticed, too, I liked the way that they energized differently. They mm -hmm. had a different, like, light pattern as they energized versus when they enterprise, or when they energize on the other Enterprise. Woof, mm -hmm. that's a lot of, okay. Uh, Kirk uh, Tiberius, uh, in this, <laughs> he, seems, he seems like he would have been at home in this episode. I, I know he kept trying to get back. I get the feeling he would be at home in the Mirror Universe. Yeah, yeah. I I liked Evil Kirk. I wanted more of him. I thought I uh, but again, I like it when Shatner goes off the rails and this mm -hmm. was a perfect opportunity for him <laughs> to do that. Um I like that Evil Spock who was a fighter. He, there's a scene where they're all fighting Evil Spock. Even Uhura gets in on the fight and he just like th throws her against a wall. She's got but, a dagger in her in her leg thing there yeah so and the, and the, sick and the sex the sexy uhura outfit oh yeah yeah well and i guess there was like a whole controversy about women showing their navels around this time oh yeah yeah but boy Whoa. michelle nichols oh, oh. she pulls respectfully right. respectfully Indeed. holy toledo um and then also small girl fight because Mar uh marlene it was like well, if you don't take me with you, I'm going to shoot you. And Kirk's like, why? 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 What's that going to do? And she's like, mm, okay. And then they get back to the Enterprise and everything's hunky-dory. And then the real, the, this version, this Our hot, universe. with a with a big beehive hairdo, mm -hmm. she comes up and um, needs some paperwork signed. And Kirk is like, uh, Kirk's talking to McCoy. And McCoy's like, whoa, that's that lady. And that's he's that like, lady. maybe it's possible we could become friends and then the as the credits start to roll kirk gets up from his seat and walks over to talk to her 
Uh, let me let me see that uh, fuel consumption report again. Uh, <laughs> oh, how bizarre! How bizarre oh, indeed. Maybe we should discuss these figures uh, a little bit later, perhaps. <laughs> um, in the original story outline for this episode, Captain Kirk was trapped in the mirror universe alone, and it was gradually rejecting him, treating him like he was an invading germ by poisoning his systems. Um, but the ideas were dropped. But how? What a fun idea that maybe we have seen currently or something that you'll see coming up oh dag okay <laughs> spider-verse spider-verse inspired by star trek perchance well i'm not gonna say anything i'll let you okay you'll see you'll see i'll come across that on my own but the right. last episode we're gonna talk about this week the apple Ugh. Uh, Primitive inhabitants of Gamma Triangula Triang Triang 6 worship uh, a god who orders them to kill visitors from the Enterprise. You don't like this episode, Carrie? I'm not a fan. Uh, it, it spurned a playset for my Mego figures, but... It... <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. We got, we got the dinosaur head, Vol, you know. Mm-hmm. All the world knows of all, I'm, uh, but we got a, we got a playset for my Migo, Migo figures for that, and that was kind of cool. But other than that, mm. uh, although we do get to see one of the one of the youngsters down on the planet, uh, orange skinned and you know blonde haired youngsters, is uh, a young uh, oh what's his name now David Soul, who played Hutch on Starsky and Hutch the TV series. Oh. Who also, of course, had the hit song "Don't Give Up on Us, Baby." It was that hit. I'm learning so him. much this episode. There you go. Um, <laughs> they beam down to this planet. It's paradise. They have a huge landing party. Uh, apparently, this is the only episode to have a landing party this big. Um, and the planet is described as like a paradise. And of course, what's paradise only inhabited by tan, blonde, white people? <laughs> And exploding rocks, which I and exploding rocks. I could, you know, they kept talking about what a beautiful paradise it was, and then Spock is looking at the rocks and tosses one aside, and it explodes and kills somebody. And did you say something about this being paradise, Doctor? <laughs> <laughs> this this episode quip heavy, extremely yes. quip heavy. Um, they this ep this episode also has a couple of other things I really love: evil plants. I love it when the plants are evil and they get you. <laughs> um, they can't beam up, which is an occurrence that happens weekly. So I don't know why they treat it like such an emergency every time. Um, well, it's because the ball was uh, blocking the tr transport. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but like, there's every episode they can't beam up, and it's okay. It resolves itself. Um, there's a moment where Spock takes some darts in front of Kirk from a plant and Kirk is like, wow, you took that shot for me. And Spock is like, well, no. Okay. Don't get ahead of yourself. <laughs> oh, um, what else happens? There's, there's a moment where Kirk says to Chekhov and Spock, like, Hey, you guys create a diversion. And so Spock and Chekhov have the cutest, tenderest fake fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, that's your comedy chops from Chekhov uh, showing up again yeah. in that one. Um, I guess his hair, was it his hair? What's the name of the man who plays Chekhov? Uh, Walter Koenig. Okay. Um, apparently his hair was finally long enough. He didn't have to wear a wig anymore, which thank <laughs> God, because that was such a terrible wig. It was a terrible wig. Just awful. And it was, it was modeled after the Beatles. 
Sure, uh, I can see that. That's the reason that they brought him on in the first place, is that there were too many old people on the show. <laughs> and so they wanted to bring in a young guy, and they thought, well, the Beatles are very popular. Let's give him a Beatles haircut. And, you know, Insane. Not even current Beatles. Like, not even at that time, current no. Beatles. Like, early Beatles. Like, wow. Yeah. Just at so behind. T- yeah, because at that time, the Beatles were long-haired uh, Long-haired hippies. Yeah. Not that cute. Well, they look yeah. like Lazarus from a pre- previous episode. Anyway. <laughs> Gee, many Krambus. Um So these inhabitants, they don't age. Val is a machine who's providing paradise for them, and everything is hunky-dory, and they don't mm-hmm. age, they don't reproduce. Like, everything is fine. I agree with Spock at the end of this episode. Hey, man, why did we destroy that monster so that they could figure it out on their own? And we like yeah. we literally took paradise away from them. And Kirk yeah. and McCoy are like, mm, mm, uh, it'd be like that sometimes. Well, and, and it's completely against, you know, I mean, granted, the sh- it's early on in the show, but it's completely against what we eventually learn what the prime directive is. Yeah. And they, and they really shouldn't have been on this planet at all. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm sure that the sensors on the ship knew that there was life on this planet and they could tell what kind of life and that it's not advanced enough for us to show up. Although they had the strange energy signature that they had to investigate, which is not like the primitive species. And the plan was to stay Mm -hmm. away from them, but, but they, it is completely against the prime directive for them to interfere in this whole civilization because they're pre-warp drive. Yeah, because here's the thing. If we're talking about um, last week or a couple of weeks ago as of release date, um, a couple of weeks ago, among the Lotus Eaters on Strange New Worlds, where Mm -hmm. they do remove the asteroid that's causing all the problems because it technically interfered with their cultural development. Mm -hmm. And that's their justification for why, you know, Prime Directive, we are we're not going to be in trouble for interfering by removing this radioactive asteroid. But destroying Val, the monster that has given the machine that has given them everything and has helped this society exist, mm-hmm. like we, I guess we don't know the history of that. Has that always been there? Ha- is that an intruder? It was. It was never explained. I think that Kirk and McCoy didn't like the civilization because they weren't having sex. No this one is episode, having sex. Okay, let's talk about it. This episode <laughs> is so sex heavy and not even just like doing it but talking about it right because like they they don't age there's nothing wrong with them there's no children and so the Mm -hmm. big question among the group especially Chekhov and Yeoman London because they seem to have a thing they seem to be horny for each other at the time Mm -hmm. um well how do they do it how and and they and the the inhabitants are like what are you talking about like you know Mm -hmm. yeah how do you but then uh i think it's is it a kutu is his name something like that who's the one who speaks to Vol? Vol yes. speaks truly to me now hear him uh he's with the his one like who, little wire hanger antenna. yeah i yeah. uh, when they when they bring it up to him he says uh, oh yes the touching yes yes <laughs> the touch uh vol has forbidden this <laughs> <sighs> And but then, yeah, these these people have been alive for thousands of years, you know. Yeah, and they seem to be doing just fine. But then, of course, well, let's see where to even begin. There's a scene where they're talking about, oh, well, okay, if we destroy Val, these people are going to have to figure out how to have how to how to do it. And there's a whole conversation amongst the crew of where Yeoman London is like, "How are they gonna?" And they all like look at each other, and then Kirk says, 
Well, doc- Mr. Spock, you are the <laughs> the science officer. Do you care to explain? Like, I'm sure this woman knows how to have sex, okay? You don't have to be weird about it. And the bit of trivia I have, actress Celeste Yarnell, who played Yeoman London, said it took a while to film the scene where she asks how the planet's inhabitants would do it after Val is destroyed because William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, and DeForest Kelly kept making up hilarious methods for procreating. Network sensors were on set and Yarnell said they were getting upset, which made everyone laugh more. Of course. Which hilarious. But then there's a, f- a subsequent scene where London and Chekhov are in a pasture. It's very Twilight. And mm-hmm. they they do the touching. And two of the other inhabitants see them do the touching. Mm-hmm. And they're like, mm, it seems to be pleasurable to them. And they're like, yeah. but why? Like, to what purpose? And so then they try it. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, we think we like the, it. The, the discussion is, I, I don't understand. It's what's the purpose? It gathers no food. It doesn't mm-hmm. serve all. And mm-hmm. those are the only things that really they know matter. <laughs> but it's funny because they start to kind of you know maybe st- as David Soul st- Hutch you know kissing maybe <laughs> just a- and then the thunder wrath of God don't do that yeah <laughs> wrath of God stuff uh, just it's just such a problematic episode all over yeah it's um, ooh. Big yikes all episode. And then, and then, so they destroy Val and the people are like, well, what do we do now? And Kirk's like, you'll figure it out. Um, You guys will have children. You'll develop. And they're like, mm-hmm. what are children? And he's like, oh, you'll find out what children are. Like, hey, maybe give them a heads up. Yeah, that, that a nightmare is on its way. Imagine getting <laughs> pregnant for the first time in thousands of years. Yeah. And, and nobody also- knows what's happening. Also, you'll be dying in about 60 years. Uh, oh my how about God, that? seriously. <laughs> ah, truly, I'm on Spock's side at the end of this episode. Yeah, I, yeah. like, why, why did you take this away from them? What I what also thought was interesting is that, I mean, Vol is, is, is pretty advanced and pretty smart, we're, we're led to believe. But he, did he actually think that he could get these people, these sheeple, to <laughs> be able to kill the strangers you know because because the, the guy who speaks to all uh, gathers the gather the men in the clearing and we'll talk uh is this uh vol speaks truly to me now hear him we are to kill the strangers and hutch goes i don't know i uh, what is that and he goes it is a thing to do evolved demands it and he pulls out this is their head the watermelon. This is the head of one of the strangers, and he takes a stick and he hits the guy with it. And then you take the stick and you hit them with the with yeah. just like this. And and so Vol thinks that these guys who have never fought, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're all built, they're buff, but uh-huh. they've never fought. Uh, they'll be fine. They'll take care of these guys with no problem. I I had a thought when he's telling them like how to kill a man. Like mm-hmm. these people had never killed anything before, let alone probably seen the inside of a human before. I'm sure so, like, they're all vegan. Yeah. The way that watermelon exploded, I'm like, okay, now imagine that's an actual human head. They are going to be horrified, traumatized for the rest of their thousand years. Traumatized life. forever. <laughs> yeah, just a real. I but wish. D- but I just like any more. just like any religious fanatic though they'd talk their way through it because their god mm-hmm. told them to. Yeah. 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 But also but here's the thing their god provided. Their god created. Their god actually provided. Yes. Their god actually provided. I didn't there nobody was getting hurt. 
Nobody was getting hurt. Yeah. Uh, I just wish I knew more about Vol. Well, I can tell you a little bit more about Vol. Um, originally, the script for this installment called for Vol's stone dinosaur head to be destroyed by the Enterprise's phasers. The props department had put in a lot of work creating it with paper mache and refused to allow its destruction. <laughs> <laughs> Union. <laughs> I, I love that. And then also, Spock's appearance is jokingly compared to Satan in the final scene. This resemblance caused discomfort to would-be advertisers when Star Trek was first being marketed. <laughs> no, it's it's a great line where he's where he, he talks about you know, and that's where the title of the episode comes from, the Apple Adam and Eve, and he, he, the, the 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 fable he says of of Adam and Eve and how the devil, uh, you know, gets people out of and and God casts them out of Eden, mm -hmm. and the joke about you know, well, does does anybody resemble Satan? Oh, no, no, it was Kirk. Kirk first says, are you casting me in the role of Satan? Spock? No, no, not at all. Uh, well, is there anybody on this bridge who even slightly resembles Satan? <laughs> Which is such a stretch. <laughs> and also, if this is going to, if this is an episode where the overt metaphor is Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Mm -hmm. um, the Enterprise is the bad guys. The Enterprise is the snake. They're the... Even though I'm sure the dinosaur head is supposed to be like a big grand representation of, oh, look, a big snake. Mm -hmm. But if we're thinking about it, mm, who tempts who tempts them? Yeoman London and Chekhov. Mm-hmm. Bonk, and... bonk, case settled. Yep. Are you casting? Oh, I thought I had my... Oh, no. I, got, I thought I had my drop for, are you casting me in the role of Satan? Okay, I'm sorry. Oh, well. it's, it's not playing with me. Are you casting... Oh, damn it. Oh, oh well. that it? Oh, well. I had sound effects for you, and I, I'm sorry. Not working. Well, that's okay. It's a good message to leave this episode on that they aren't perfect. And I like that in a hero. I like an imperfect hero, although big mad that they just kind of ruined those people's lives. Yeah. Well, I I mean, like I said, it's not a great episode. It's not a terrible episode. It's I mean, it's not <laughs> It's not the Lazarus episode, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't I I hope there's not another episode like the Lazarus episode because I don't know that I can tolerate <laughs> oh no! There might be. There are some stinkers coming up. I'll just. Oh <laughs> no! That's we're okay. In a good, they can't all be perfect. We're in a pretty good run right now. Toward the end of season one and the beginning of season two, we're in a pretty good run right now. And from what I have read, um, season two is seems to be the preferred season of the three. That's that's what I that's what I have been told many times. We'll we'll find out together, won't we? We'll find out together more next week when we talk about episodes 6 through 10 in season 2. But until then, we will continue to go where no man has gone before, but a lot of people have gone before. Thank you for listening, you guys, and we'll see you next week.